This is Sight for Sore Eyes. I'm Oyefe Adeshina. As we return from a short podcasting break, I want to thank everyone who has been listening to and supporting the Sight for Sore Eyes podcast. Your encouragement and supportive feedback have made all the difference in my podcast journey, and for that, I am grateful. If you're new to Sight for Sore Eyes, welcome. Please take some time to listen to the first season of the podcast, beginning with the first episode, The Case for DEI in Ophthalmology. This is Sight for Sore Eyes, where we discuss issues of diversity in ophthalmology with a minority perspective. These conversations may not always be comfortable, but they are necessary in order to provide context and perspective and form a foundation on which we can build a better paradigm. Perception is reality, but perspective is the key. We know that affirmative action is in a precarious state, and there's going to be a ruling from the Supreme Court probably this summer, sealing the fate of of that one way or the other. That was me in a previous episode of the podcast foreshadowing Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action that came down on June 29th. 2023. The decision in Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard and the University of North Carolina rejected race-conscious admissions at colleges and universities in the United States. The ruling and the potential effect on the pipeline of URIMs to medicine and ophthalmology is important. And as we begin this season a Sight for Sore Eyes, I want to share my thoughts on this landmark case. There is an argument that affirmative action amounts to reverse racism, acting as an illegitimate and unfair stepping stone for minorities to enter institutions of higher education. I reject the sentiment and the associated statement that many minorities in higher education commonly hear, which is that you wouldn't be here if it weren't for affirmative action. This openly racist notion that affirmative action admits unqualified individuals into places of higher education, posits that those who benefit from race-conscious admissions are unqualified and intrinsically inferior to those who do not, just because of who they are. I want to emphatically and unequivocally say that they are qualified, and I challenge you to tell me and others who have benefited from race-conscious admissions paradigms that we were and are not capable of succeeding in medicine, academia, business, or other spheres of professional society. The fruit of our lives and professional success should be evidence enough to discount this flawed thinking. But you don't have to trust me or take my word for it. Just look at the data. While we know that removing affirmative action reduces the access of underrepresented minorities to higher education, the state of California being a prime example of this, the fact is that black students, for example, who do gain admissions to highly selective universities graduate at higher rates than their classmates. This includes institutions such as Harvard, Princeton, Caltech, Johns Hopkins, Case Western Reserve, the University of Chicago, and Wake Forest. Additionally, these students achieve equal graduation rates at institutions including Yale, Columbia, NYU, Emory, Vanderbilt, and Boston University. So much for being unqualified. In my view, 
the SCOTUS decision does not appear to be fact or data-driven because even as affirmative action has worked to increase minority representation in higher education and professional ranks, we are still far from these numbers representing the actual demographics of America. The truth is that in many institutions, including medicine, these numbers have been stagnant or even in decline. To me, the Supreme Court's decision is largely ideological and forces a romanticized view of racial equity and meritocracy onto the reality that actually is America, a country with ongoing social and socioeconomic inequalities deeply rooted in centuries of systemic racism. To drive home this point is the fact that despite deeming race-conscious college and university admissions unconstitutional, the Supreme Court made an exemption for the United States Military Service Academies because, in quoting Chief Justice John Roberts, no military academy is a party to these cases, and the opinion also does not address the issue in light of the potentially distinct interest that military academies may present. What, you may ask, are these distinct interests? While Chief Roberts did not detail what those distinct interests are, an amicus brief filed by 35 former military leaders, including four former Joint Chiefs of Staff chairmen, shed some light on this issue. In the brief, they argued that affirmative action in higher education was essential for national security. They made the crucial point that diversity in the officer corps, who are the graduates of the service academies, was necessary because the forces they would be leading are diverse. Continuing on in their brief, the military leader stated that the importance of maintaining a diverse, highly qualified officer corps has been beyond legitimate dispute for decades. History has shown that placing a diverse armed forces under the command of homogenous leadership is a recipe for internal resentment, discord, and violence. To put things in perspective, minorities currently make up about 40% of all service members, while three of every four officers are white. This current diversity, however, hasn't always been the case, and there's a long and well-documented history of often violent, race-based conflict, abuse, desertion, and insubordination in the military associated with attempts to integrate previously segregated military units. This is why race-based admissions is so necessary in the armed forces. The military leaders went on to say, by contrast, units that are diverse across all levels are more cohesive, collaborative, and effective. Prohibiting educational institutions from using modest, race-conscious admission policies would impair the military's ability to maintain diverse leadership and thereby seriously undermine its institutional legitimacy and operational effectiveness. So, let's get this straight. Affirmative action in the military service academies is essentially a national security issue. It is vital for producing a diverse military leadership corps to ensure the safety, cohesion, and effectiveness of our armed forces. But somehow, it's not good enough or necessary for the same reasons in the rest of our higher education systems across the country. Despite over 50% of the American population approving this CODIS decision, I think you can start to see where the case against affirmative action in college and university admissions is starting to fail the proverbial sniff test. If that wasn't enough, there's also the fact that legacy-based university admissions, not at all based on merit as affirmative action admissions were, persist without any popular societal or legal push to question their validity. 
There is a widely known quote that says, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. To me, the SCOTUS decision produces a paradigm akin to trying to force a square peg into a round hole and then wondering why it doesn't work. For perspective, I refer to a portion of the dissenting opinion written by Supreme Court Justice Kentanji Brown Jackson, who stated, With let them eat cake obliviousness, today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces color blindness for all by legal fiat. What Justice Brown Jackson is saying is that we do not currently live in a utopian meritocracy and cannot expect to bring underrepresented individuals out of their socially and socioeconomically disadvantaged states into places where they can receive the educations and experiences they need to add much needed diversity and productivity to our society by finding ways to keep them out. The inertia of decades, even centuries, of systemic racism and discrimination cannot be wished away with this single ruling based on perceived grievances that don't bear out when you look at the facts. I say enough with the myth that affirmative action amounts to reverse discrimination or racism. I find this argument to be ill-informed at best, as it tends to come from individuals who are not underrepresented in higher education and cannot empathize with the lived experiences of minoritized groups who face real class, race, and other identity-based discrimination when it comes to the college admissions process. Let's instead look at people for who they can be, and until we can develop a truly merit-based society where there's equal opportunity for all, continue to champion the cause of those who are disadvantaged in our current system and give them the resources they need to succeed. That is the real reality we're living in. Let's address it as such. Thanks for listening. Please stay tuned as we enter the next season of Sight for Sore Eyes with a lineup of insightful, challenging, and informative conversations and viewpoints from the world of inclusion, equity, and diversity in ophthalmology. Until then, please take care and see you next time. This and every episode of Sight for Sore Eyes was written, recorded, edited, mixed, and produced by yours truly. Music for the podcast is sourced from pixabay.com.